After a lifetime of researching the dynamic and enigmatic world of light entertainment, I've decided to ditch my notebook and meet the people who inspire me. What makes them the people they are? How do they feel about the show business landscape in which they find themselves? And in a world where anyone can be a star, is there still a need for performers who have universal appeal? Come with me on a journey of discovery as I get a unique insight into Britain's favourite stars with a little help from my glamorous assistants. Yeah, well, I say glamorous, more like hazardous. And of course, we'll have a bit of fun along the way. Making her television debut on the cult 1960s serial drama Dixon of Dot Green, television and theatre actress Vicky Michelle became a household name in 1982 for her career-defining portrayal of lustful waitress Yvette Carte Blanche in Croft and Lloyd's wartime sitcom Allo Allo. Throughout the 1990s, Vicky could be seen as the fictional neighbour of Noel Edmonds on the hugely popular Saturday night extravaganza Noel's House Party before securing the part of Patricia Foster in the ITV serial drama Emmerdale. I caught up with the star of stage and screen onset of our nationwide tour, Hormonal Housewives, to talk comedy, soap and TV. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Vicky Michelle. So let's go back to the beginning. Yeah. One of your earliest television parts came in 1972, when yeah. you had a cameo in Clement and Lafrenet's Whatever Happened to the Likely Lads. Oh yeah. In what ways did this give you a grounding in TV sitcom, which you then you were able to build upon a decade or so later? The Likely Lads. Well, The Likely House was great because it was such a sort of iconic series to be in. And then I was working with um, Rodney Buse and James Bolan, who were both brilliant. And, um, and th- you know, like the girls, it was sort of, we were a bit sort of dolly birds then. And so that was like, you know, the glamorous girl. I think that was the, the roulette scene when he was gambling. I think that's the one that uh, you're talking about, Josh, I think. And so it was, um, it was great to work with two really good actors and to do that part. And I had to have a, I think it was a Manchester accent. It was a Northern accent anyway that I used. So I really enjoyed that and great work with those two guys. And also people still watch it. And then I did the Lightly Lads film after that, <laughs> which everyone, but everyone sees at Christmas. Yeah. So they bring it out and no one says, oh, I saw you in this or I saw you in that, Vicky. Saw you in the Lightly Lads film. And that was a great film. I did that with, I think, Penny Irving. And I really enjoyed that, except the day before filming, we went out, all the producers and directors went out for curry and I got severe food poisoning. So I was not well the next day. But apart from that, it was a great, it was great to do that and be in a film that everyone loves and recognises. Okay, so 1978 now, uh, Come Back Mrs. Noah. Um, <laughs> that was an extremely forward-thinking show for its time and gave Britain its first sci-fi sitcom, um, along with your first character role. But... Why do you feel it's not as celebrated as other Croft and Lloyd work? And how did it feel sharing the screen with Ian Lander and Molly Sutton? Ah, well, come back, Mrs. Noah. I actually went for the audition for that. So I was auditioning for one of the main parts. And uh, my sister was auditioning as well. And this was the new thing. This it was going to be great. It was set in space. And it was a great, really good script. And David Croft couldn't make his mind up either with either me or Anne to choose for the part. And I'm probably not asking you, answering your question yet, but I'm just telling you what (laughs) happened, which is quite interesting, I think. And so David Croft decided to go with my sister for this part. And she played, was it Scarth Dare or something like that, Josh? 
Um, not sure. Do you anyway, it was Come Back, Mrs. Nut, and it was going to be huge. And I think it only lasted two series. And the reason why is because Kenny Everett Show had come on up, and it was against the Kenny Everett Show on the other side. And that, I think that's the only reason that that wasn't um, taken on for more series, because it was really good. Molly Sugden, Ian Lavender, you know, my sister, and I played. So my sister was with David, and they were looking for... Uh, one of the parts was a French-made robot. And so Anne said, why don't you use Vicky for the French-made robot? So I played the French-made robot in um, Come Back, Mrs. Noah, but it was my sister that had the leading role in that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Does that answer what you asked me? Probably not. What yeah, did you say? Close enough. <laughs> you can rejig it. You could yeah. rejig the questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then we move on to 1982. Mm-hmm. You secured a role in another prof in the world sitcom, Hello, yeah. What were your first impressions of the character, Yvette? Um, I actually read for Yvette, uh, Yvette Carte Blanche and Michelle of the Resistance. So, and I think the reason that I went up for this was because I played the French-made robot in Come Back, Mrs. Noah. So they went, oh, we need someone French, French. Who was French? Oh, what about Vicky? Yeah. <laughs> so they got me in for Hello, Hello to read for those. And, and I remember... Um, you know, he, I just read it once, and I read both of those parts, and David went, yes, darling, that's lovely. And I went, do you want me to read it again? No, no, it's fine. I went, okay. And then I thought, oh, you know, I felt like it, it went well, and then we didn't hear for about six months, because then by that time I thought, oh, well, I, I've lost it. I didn't get it. And then uh, the BBC decided to go ahead with it, and I got the part of Yvette. And when I read the script, um, it was hysterical. I mean, the actual pilot was so funny and I thought this is a real hit but you don't know till you get out there so um, it did became a huge hit and the rest was history and I became Yvette Carblanche. <laughs> so mentioned David Croft again there. Um, yeah and Jeremy Lloyd so David Croft and Jeremy Lloyd were the writers yeah. for that and um, and both of them were so clever and Jeremy would sit in on um, some of the rehearsals and then he'd go he'd just come up with a line he said oh no say this line you know, and that would go in. But we stuck to the script. It was very scripted because they were so funny. The two of them writing together, just so brilliant. And I think that's the secret of really good comedy is that they wrote one, two, three, laugh. One, two, three, laugh. And it's laugh out loud comedy. I think a lot of comedy you get today is more like a comedy drama because you might smile, you might laugh, but you're not laughing out loud. Whereas these shows were laugh out loud comedy and that is a talent to be able to do that. So, um... As he did so triumphantly for Dad's Army as well, David Croft show, chose to set the sitcom in a specific time in history. Yeah. How significant do you think that was in the sort of enduring nature of the sitcom? Well, the thing is, is that it was, yes, it was set in wartime France. One, it was quite um, difficult for the BBC to say, yes, go along, because we were sending up the war, you know, but like David Croft said, we sent up everyone. Um, so we send, and he described it as the French are, um, the French are Randy, the Germans are kinky, and the English are stupid. And that's how they wrote this, this sitcom. So, so it was across the board where everyone was sent up. But in terms of longevity, the fact that it was set in wartime France is the reason that it did last so long. And I think that, and it has endured, and it's still, we sold to over 80 countries. It's still being bought by um, South Africa, Germany, 
um, Scandinavia, or now Australia, New Zealand. So they're still buying it and still showing it as we are here. So in terms of longevity, it was brilliant to, to put that into a time where it can't be dated. And the same thing is with Dad's Army, it can't be dated. Whereas if you do a 1960 or say we're going to do a 2000, it'll be dated. Yeah, so uh, very clever to do that and sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in two thousand and seventeen, Britain lost a comedy giant. What are your memories of the great Gordon Kay? Oh, that was you know Gordon was an amazing actor and just so clever. And when he got the script, his I mean obviously it was brilliantly written, but he he'd do things you know with bodily and use and things that he'd do, he'd, you know, put his hand to his head or just do little touches that added to the character. And he was just a very, very clever actor. And so he was a joy to watch and glean, glean um, some insight into, you know, how his brain worked and what made people love what he was doing. So I've, I've worked with some amazing people. And Gordon being one of them, and you could you could actually see you know and study him uh, to find out what what it was that made him so good. And I think you know he used to think you know no one could replace Rene, and I think that's good. You know he was the leading actor, and he made he was the most unlikely sex symbol I think <laughs> that you could describe him as because I think um, Croft and Lloyd sort of sometimes cast against type. So you'd get, you know, he's this man, everyone is falling in love with this cafe owner, would not be epitomised the typical Don Juan, yeah. you know, but it worked, yeah. you know, and, uh, and he was um, very talented and the, the general public absolutely loved him. So we, we, it's a sad loss because people really, you know, took him to his heart and he came through that accident um, and became almost... You know, it was almost a miracle. So people just loved Gordon even more. Um, and I think the, the, the general public always show that, that, you know, he was one of the people that were, are dear to them. And they remember, because you say, who's your favourite character? And they usually, I say, apart from me. <laughs> and they'll usually go, René. <laughs> so uh, after a lot of Little old lady popped up as the neighbour of Noel Evans in a fictional village of Crickley Bottom. Yeah. As an actress, how difficult is it to portray a character where everything else is real? Um, right. Do you mean Crinkly Bottom was real? <laughs> <laughs> Josh. <laughs> um, no, I think, um, well, I had to be the neighbour that. Fa- that fans do. Everyone else did not like him in Crinkly Bottom. So all the every neighbours, they you know they 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 weren't keen on. Not, but I had to come through, and I you know and I was the one that really fancied him. And the thing is that when we were doing it, we we didn't have long to rehearse, and um, you couldn't use auto cue or anything like that. So you just had to go for it. And I remember one time, I came through the door, and I think I threw off these glasses. And I got hold of him, threw him on the floor, and jumped on him. And he went, what do you want? <laughs> but it was just the part. But he would ad lib. I had my script, and he would ad lib. But it was such fun. It was great fun doing that. And I got, um, Blobby got me with, what was it? The gotchas. The gotchas. The, yeah. So I got gotchered. And then they, he interviewed me after that. And I had this really lovely blue suit. 
And I really liked this blue suit. It was my really favourite blue suit. And I loved it. And so Noel is interviewing me. How did it feel when you got, you know, when you were gotcha, Vicky, and la, la, la. And I went, well, it was so, And then all of a sudden, I could smell curry. And I saw Blobby. <laughs> and he was coming across. And I remember everything going in slow motion. And I went, no! And he threw the curry all over me and the blue suit. I was not happy. Not very well. It, it did come out, but I did. I did have a go at Noel over that. I said, I love that suit. A lot of people hate Mr. Blobby here. Oh, they hate Mr. Blobby. Yeah, Mr. Blobby. He was funny. <laughs> I think Noel's great. I love Noel. I loved working with him, and he was just. And I think he's really talented. Yeah. Yeah, nice person. And he also comes from Essex, so it's pretty good. <laughs> um, Emma Dale, in 2007, you joined the cast of Emma Dale, playing mm. a part of Patricia. Yeah. How different did you find working in a soap to what you used? Um, it was really nice. It was really like doing, you know, I mean, I'm, I was used to doing television and then, but, and playing different characters. So I'm playing a, a different character. Yeah. And um, I'd been for this part and... Um, and it was great. So they wanted to use me for quite a, quite a long time. And um, I went in as this sort of the mother of Richard Grieve, I think it was, who was one of the gay boys. And, um, and so I've gone in and I've, there were rumours that said I might have had to have a flirtation with Patrick Moore, which was great because I'd worked with him before and that was great. So, and I really enjoyed meeting the people. People were lovely and they took me, you know, they took me in and they were really lovely to me. And I really enjoyed doing the part, and I thought it was going to go on, but then they got a new producer in, and the new producer decided to kill off my, I think my son. So I went, so that was it. Otherwise, it would have gone on for longer. Was this so a bit of a bucket list thing for as an actress? Um, to do it, I think it's nice to be in the soaps. Yeah, and I, I, gee, I've never had a bucket list. Really. I think um, I just am really grateful to. Um, you know, just do, to keep working. And I always get wonderful jobs, like at the moment I'm doing Hormonal Housewives, which is brilliant. And we're packing out with like 500 people a night or more. And that is great. And this is this has been a new learning curve. So I think what I love about the business is that I'm learning from it all the time. And this is a completely different way of dealing with audience, uh, audiences and the reaction we're getting. So um, I just... Glad to be. I don't. I think the bucket list. You know, I'll probably go. Oh, I'll play Cleopatra in Shakespeare or something. You know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But even so, never say never. never say never. And so I'm just happy to find out what what's in store for me around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. We just wanted to know then, looking back over your career, what would you say your proudest achievement is? Ooh. Well, obviously, Hello Hello, because it was a fantastic show, and I was very proud to be in something that the um, British people and people across the world love dearly and still comment on and still come up and you know listen very carefully or oh say oh and they do all that you know and they, and it's always with a laugh and a joke and I think that's important so we're part of sort of comedy history with that so I'm proud of that I'm also proud to have done lots of other things you know I worked with Ray Winston in um played his wife um in a all about the game or something kind of and that was about football. And that was really nice working with him, sort of doing a film come television. Um, 
that was nice. Also, I think probably in terms of theatre, when I played Miss Hannigan in Annie, that was a brilliant show. And I'd always wanted to play Miss Hannigan. And my daughter, who's an actress, actually when she was at college, she played Miss Hannigan before me, so she's giving me tips. But um, that was a great part to play. And I played that three times at three different venues, Lincoln and um, Canterbury and Stevenage. And I love playing that. Salad Days was a great one. Played Lady Rayburn and Asphinxia in that. That was a great show to do. And what others? I've done lots of farces and things. So um, I've just, I've loved everything that I've worked on. And even if it's been a small part, I've learned from it or met people that are going to use you again. So yeah. I think, um, I don't know, I wouldn't, Allo Allo would be my yeah. greatest achievement as far as I think uh, becoming known to the country but there's I've done some really good parts that I'm very proud of too yeah I'll um, probably think of something else and I can't remember you have, I'll have to look at my CV and go oh yes I did that I would have said that yes yeah the Royal Variety is it's really important and they, they put on the Royal Variety show uh, every year and um, you know that that is really great to be involved with that mm -hmm. and um, so I'm very proud of, of what they do as a charity yeah. and the fact that it's, you know, supported by the Royals. And we had, they put on that wonderful show that everyone watches every year. Um, so that's, I'm very proud of that. I, th I was talking more in acting, but yeah, I'm very yeah. proud of my, in terms of charities, most of my charities, I'm, I was very proud to be involved with the Bomber Command Appeal which culminated in, in fact, it was uh, David Graham and Robin Gibb that got together, that started that appeal off. And the Queen opened the Bomber Command Memorial. Um, so that was a great achievement because they were never recognised for 70 years. They were not recognised and they should have. And they're such brave men. And also, you know, I go to some of the Pathfinders. We're Luke, we've lost um, Commodore Charles Clark recently. We lost Dougie Radcliffe, all of these wonderful Harry Irons, just amazing um, bomber boys that I used to really sort of love and chat to at all these lunches we used to do for the Heritage. So I'm very, very proud to be involved with that one. Uh, that was very dear to my heart, especially as they were. That should have happened a long time ago. And they were such brave men, what they went through. I mean, they had trauma, everything that you, you could. I was talking to them, I said, you know, what happens when you have, you know, like the, now you get um, post-traumatic stress disorder, is it PTSD, I always get it one way around. And, you know, nowadays it's recognised, but in those days it wasn't. I said, you know, what happened when you had this? What happened when you had these flashbacks? What happened? Because obviously they did, because when they went up, you know, like you'd probably have one in ten come back, you know, of these guys. And they knew that, 17 or 18 years old. And he said, well, we went to the sergeant and said, look, I'm not sleeping, sergeant. The sergeant would say, get over it, son. And that's what they were brought up on. So they never, they didn't have, um, you know, what they could have had now in terms of being looked after. But they were very brave men and very, and gentlemen and lovely to be with. So probably one of my proudest bomb card, yeah. Okay. Um, so what's next for the show? Um, well, this one is exhausting. This is like one night at 68, one night it's all over the country. So, um, and it's been amazing. I mean, we've had 500 people upwards, you know, and it's just such a brilliant show, making people laugh out loud. And, and so I'm really proud to be in this, in this one. And after that, I don't know, I'm speaking to the agent, there's a couple of things in the, 
um, irons in the fire. So hopefully one of those will come off and uh, I'll have to let you know. Oh, I'm doing panto. Oh, I've got, yes, I'm doing panto for Chris Marino in York. Yes, Snow White. So I'm playing the Wicked, I'm not playing Snow White. I'm playing the Wicked Queen, which I love. I'm quite good at being bad. <laughs> A big thank you to our guest for being the subject of another Beyond the Title interview. If you like this, why not browse the website and see if there's anything else that takes your fancy. Don't forget to like our Facebook page to receive updates of forthcoming interviews and to see more information about me and what I do. Thanks again and hopefully see you next time for another Beyond the Title interview.